Yevamos Perak Tesvav Mishnah Zayin 15.7. There's two parts of this Mishnah. The first part is really almost identical to the previous Mishnah. Um, the second part is something totally different and actually unrelated to our topic at hand, but since um, it has the same theme and the same words, uh, we'll include it as well. So here, first part of the Mishnah, in the previous Mishnah we talked about two women who are co-wives and one can't testify with regard to the other. Here we're going to have um, a daughter-in-law testifying regarding her mother-in-law's husband, meaning her father-in-law. And again, you'll recall that the daughter-in-law and mother-in-law relationship was considered to be fraught, and therefore the testimony of one with respect to the other could not be believed uh, regarding the death of their husbands. So therefore the Mishnah says, Amra, the woman, we'll call her the the Kala, okay? The wife. So Amra Mace Ba'ali, she, the Kala, Kala also means daughter-in-law, by the way, which is why I chose it. So she says, um, my husband died, and also while we were away, I was not just with my husband, but also with his father, my father-in-law, and my father-in-law also fell off the cruise ship. So not only am I a widow, but so is my mother-in-law. So the din is, she, the Kala, can remarry, and get her ksuba, collect on her ksuba. However, her mother-in-law, Asura, she remains unable to remarry the mother-in-law because we're afraid that the daughter-in-law, the Kala, um, her testimony was was not true and really the father-in-law remains alive. If the mother-in-law had originally been from a non-Kohen family and she married the father-in-law who was a Kohen, she can still continue to eat Truma. Tarfin holds even if she has no other children Mother-in-law has no other children because she had one son, but the son now died. Um, so, notwithstanding, the woman can assume the mother-in-law can assume that her husband remains alive because the testimony of her daughter-in-law is rejected, and therefore that's true not just about remarrying, but also that she can even eat truma because we assume that the daughter-in-law is a vaday shakranas. She is certainly lying. That's from Tarfan Shita, similar to the Shita in the previous Mishnah, when he said that the co-wives are, are certainly lying. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva takes the same position as he did in the previous Mishnah. He says, He says, that's no way to protect this mother-in-law from doing sins. First of all, it's true that she can't get remarried. But all the while she can't get remarried, still, she also cannot eat truma, because unfortunately, it's a suffix situation. We don't know what to do. Suffolk, the rice, the chomer, to be strict both ways. And that being the case, she can't get remarried, but she can't eat truma either. Again, the halach is like Riptarfan, like in the previous Mishnah, meaning we treat the testimony of these five women with fraught relationships as being, one as being a, a vada shakranis with respect to the other, meaning one is certainly lying, and therefore the testimony is totally dismissed, so this woman, the mother-in-law, continues to marry, uh, continues to live on, unmarried, and and eating truma as if she, her husband's still alive. So, nothing really new in truth in that first part of the Mishnah that we haven't seen in the previous Mishnah, except we're just saying that the principle applies not just to the most obviously conflicted situation of two co-wives, but even in a, the other relationships, like, for example, the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. Okay, now, like, new paragraph, Kilo, a new Mishnah, it's like we're starting something else. Since we had used that expression about Rabbi Kiva wanted to protect people from sin, we're going to talk about other cases, two other cases which are similar, unrelated to the previous. So the case here, our Mishnah is Kiddush Achas 
mechamesh nashim ve'enu yudei la'eza kidash. There's a man, he got, he did kedushin with a woman in the dark the night before. The next morning, five women claim it was me who you were mekadesh, and now they all want to get paid their ksuba. Kol achas omeres osi kidash. Each one says, I'm the one who you were mekadesh, and therefore we're married. Now let's say he wants to just, if he wants, the truth is he could say, fine, I'll marry all of you and, and get married to all of them. But if he wants to rid himself of some or all, he can get rid of all of them. But to get rid of all of them, he's required, no sin, get the kol achas fachas. He's required now to give a get to each one of them, because we can't have them being trapped. That he can be forced to do. However, he leaves the ksuba, it's 200 zuz, let's say. He says he can give the 200 zuz and, and walk away, because these women haven't got the ability to make him pay five times. He, of course, that's to pay for Ksuba, but the four women are crooks and thieves, and they haven't, so he can't be forced by them to pay. So therefore, he has to pay one Ksuba, let's call it 200 Zuz, so he pays that to them, and that's that, the Rebbe Tarfin. Rebbe Tarfin doesn't mean they just like, you know, throw 200 Zuz in the middle and let the girls, you know, have a cat fight and see who wins. That'll never do, of course. Just the same way if, you know, he has an obligation to the one to whom he he has to give a ksuba, so he'll have to give it to her. So he can't just like throw it in the middle and let them fight her because she won't get what is her fair share. So what he means ultimately is that essentially the guy hands it over to the Bezdin and says, the Bezdin, listen, you, these, this is the situation. You deal with it. And, you know, I, I'm happy to pay my ksuba, but you need to figure out who is the one who should get it. That's the setup. Now, as a just a side point, FYI, there's a machlokas amurayim, um, whether a woman who's just an arusa, who has had done kadushin but not yet moved in with her husband, if she's even eligible, eligible to get a ksuba, um, or the ksuba only kicks in once in the suin, once chupa, once she's moved in with him. Um, so, on the side that kadushin alone normally doesn't affect ksuba, the case is in this case he committed a ksuba, he wrote it, and so on. So they're fighting over it. Um, that's a side point, but I guess an important one because of that machlokas. Now. Rabbi Kiva says no. Ein zu derech motziaso That's no way that you can to be getting this guy to keep him out of trouble of, of sin. Are the bezin's job is to keep him sin free, and this guy now owes someone something. He can't just not pay it. Ajitan get. He has to if he wants to cleanse himself, and we require him to cleanse himself. He has to give a get. Uksubas the achas v'achas, and he has to give not one but five ksubas to the five women who are claiming from him. Now. The truth is, Rabbi Kiva would agree with Tarfin in principle, because how in the world can four crooks force this guy to pay? Like, why? It's, he, he's happy to pay one time and not more than that. So the Rabbi Kiva's ruling here, which is linguistically the same as the previous Mishnah, which is why, what it's doing here, is in a scenario where this man was Makadish, one of these women, through Bia. He slept with her the night before. And although it's true that there are three ways legally to effect Kedushin, Kesef, Shtar, and Bia, money, contract, and sleeping with her, the rabbis forbade that third option. They said that's not, that's not the way to do things. Uh, it's effective, but we're forbidding it. And therefore, Rabbi Kiva's position is, if the way that the man in our mission here was Makadish, these women, was through Bia, but this one woman through Bia, so we say, listen, we're giving you a kanas, a penalty. You did the wrong thing, and now you have to suffer the consequences. You have five women claiming, so you deal with it. You have to pay five times. But Rabbi Kiva would agree with Rabbi Tarfin that in the event he had given them Kesef or Star, and just he forgot who he gave the money to or the contract to, and they're all claiming they're four thieves and one legitimate 
woman here. So then, even Rabbi Akiva would agree, he just has to pay one time, and if he can't, they can't agree amongst themselves who gets it, he gives it the best, and he can walk away. Similarly, the Mishnah has one more case here. It says, Gazal Echen Mechamisha. There's a guy. He's a robber. And he broke into someone's house, put a gun to someone's head, and, and took their, you know, took their wallet. And then you do the next day, five people claim they are the victims and they want the wallet back. Since each of the five are claiming that they were the victims of this theft, the robbery, says, listen, okay, of course, there's a mitzvah of Hashavas being made of the gazelle of returning the stolen object, so he has to return it. So give the wallet back and he'll say, listen, here's the wallet. Whoever's the rightful owner gets to take it, since he can't just throw it in the middle and have them fight over it to give it to the Bezdin, and that's, that's it. He, he pays back the wallet as he's supposed to, um, but who gets it? That's the Bezdin's problem, not his problem. He can't be forced to pay five times. Rabbi Kiva disagrees, like before. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Ein Zoderach Motsiyato There's no way to get this guy out of trouble with, like, upstairs. He has to be cleansed of sin, and that being the case, If he wants, he needs to do right and therefore he has to ensure that the victim gets paid in full, and therefore he has to pay all five of them the full amount, give them a full wallet each. Now, again, Rabbi Kifa agrees in principle that wouldn't be just, but it's a kanas over here, it's a penalty. This fellow had no business being a robber, no one told him to go to burglar these people, and since he did, now he has to have the consequences of, to, to make amends, he has to ensure that his victim gets the wallet back, and if it means paying five wallets, he has to pay five times. But, just in contrast, to illustrate the point, if, hypothetically, the case had been a fellow walks into a crowded marketplace, there are like, you know, there are lots of merchants hawking their wares, and he says he'll, you know, he'll buy that uh, whatever it is, the widget from one of them, and then you know, he gets out his, his five shekels to pay for the widget, and five people say, oh no, that was my widget, you have to pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me. So he, Rabbi Akiva would agree in such a scenario that of course they have to pay five shekels, but since they're only one legitimate merchant and five, sorry, and four crooks, so again, he could give that five shekels to the Bezin and say, listen, Basin, you deal with these crooks. One guy really deserves the five shekels, but they're four crooks, and it's not my problem. I'm paying in full, and they have to deal with it. They're the bad guys. It's not my problem. So that is how Rabbi Kiva would agree, like Riptarfan, because there we're not going to have a kanas. There's no reason to give a penalty to a fellow who just was innocently shopping and, you know, tried to get hoodwinked by a bunch of... of uh, nasty merchants, so he can walk away just paying five shekels one time. In contrast to the previous case of the Misha, if he's a, th- a thief, a robber, then of course he has to suffer the consequences and he does get a kanasa penalty and therefore he has to pay five times. Um, and these, the halachas like Rabbi Kiva.